Welcome everybody to episode 225, exclamation mark, of the MetaBeelers 2 podcast, which features David and Ben. And you're back in the home country. You're back in England. I am back in the home country. Yes, I'm back in lovely Gloucestershire and the sun is shining. It's a beautiful morning. The birds are twittering and tweeting, sending messages to each other outside my window and yeah, sitting in my little room. Well, just in contrast, I did see a bat just flitter past my window, so it's late at night here in the Pacific Northwest, so it's there a little little different. No bats are twittering my outside my window. It's squeaking and going about that evil business. So it's been a while since we talked, and a lot of Doctor Who promotions have yes, been... Yes, exactly. I've um, I've actually been in Britain now since the end of April, actually, I think. Oh, so you've been there like three weeks almost now. Yeah, almost three weeks, uh, because I have some work to do over here, but I was lucky enough for the first time in many years to be in Britain for the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, so fans of me will know <laughs> that I'm, I'm very, very keen on the Eurovision Song Contest. If our listener does not know about that, I actually was speaking to someone um, on Zoom uh, just a couple of days ago who had, in America who never heard of the Eurovision Song Contest. So if you've not heard of it, look it up. It's awesome. But it was being held in Britain this year. On behalf of Ukraine, because Ukraine won it last year, but of course, you know, there's a war. So the host country, which traditionally, you know, the winner, uh, was uh, was actually given, the honour of being the host country was given to the second-placed song, which was, of course, the British song. So we got to hold it. It was in Liverpool, and it's a big deal. It was nice to have, like, two kind of campy, weird events um, kind of bookending that week. So the, the the previous weekend we had the coronation, um, <laughs> and then we have the original song contest. So you know people dressing up in silly costumes mm-hmm. and um, intoning ridiculous music to each other. It was great to have those those two things going on. But before the original song contest, we had a new trailer that dropped mm-hmm. for Doctor Who. And we have the episode titles for the three specials. We don't have dates yet, obviously. Um, but we have the episode titles, mm-hmm. and those episode titles are The Star Beast, Wild Beyonder, and The Giggle. Mm-hmm. And now the interesting thing to me about that is that we've got the Wrath Warriors, and we have uh, Meep the Beep, uh, or Beep the Meep, begging his pardon. Uh, he's going to come and get me now. <laughs> Most high, yes. <laughs> but the Wrath Warriors are in, going by the trailer's order, are in the first episode the star beast yep. Yep. which is the title of the of, of the comic strip that f- features both those warriors and beat the meat but then uh, beat the meat doesn't turn up until the giggle so hmm. whether we're kind of striping that comic book story across three episodes because the middle episode features um uh you know doogie Howser, whatever he's called neil patrick um, harris too early in the morning <laughs> Too early for my brain to recognize the difference between fictional people and real people. Um, Playing some kind of toy maker, master of the land of fiction, kind of weird, top-hatted cabaret character. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's going on here. RTD's the master of misdirection. I'm still holding out for a full-on master of the land of fiction toy maker thing which the doctor and donna are dumped into a comic book story a comic book story of which is features doctor who there's something that you know really kind of meta meta piece of adventuring whether i happen i don't know but that that's still what i'm thinking is is maybe going on um did you have an opportunity to see the trailer 
I just briefly glanced at the trailer and the impression that I had was Donna seeing Beep the Meep going, what the hell? Yeah. And that that <laughs> that was pretty cool. What I've been really fanning about is all the costumes that Shooty is apparently being as the doctor. This is something that you and I have talked about for a long time, and we really wouldn't want to see uh, Jodie Whittaker's doctor change her costume up for a story. But it looks like now Shooty, Shooty as a doctor is going to be different, all all sorts of things. And you know, he had that '60s look with Millie Gibson. And then a little bit later on, there's a Regency costumes. Kind of Bridgerton look. Yeah. Our regular listener will remember that we like the Doctor to change his slash her costume, their costume. That was one of the things that kind of signaled my disappointment in the, the 80s, where the inhabitants of the TARDIS like never changed their clothes. Right. Which really kind of irritated me. Mm-hmm. And uh, with um, sadly also with Jodie Whittaker. I mean, Jodie, uh, you know, the costume changed in hue. But it never really changed. I think it changed. She had the tuxedo in Spyfall and then yes. whatever Legend of the Sea Devil, some kind of Asian-inspired silk outfit, I think. Oh, yes, like a, like a contram or whatever they're called. But the thing is, you know, there's only really two reasons for not changing your costume. And I think that was true in the 80s as well. The, the, the first of which, toys. Right. So you can have a standard costume across a toy line. You know, there's not really a strong toy line for Doctor Who anymore, much to everyone's disappointment, including mine. Um, So that's not really a factor. And the other thing is the superhero thing. You know, Spider-Man always looks like a Spider-Man. Superman always looks like a super, like looks like a Superman. So you know, you had that kind of superhero indication or or through through an unchanging costume. I don't think that's necessary with Doctor Who. Doctor Who is not a superhero. And I think what's encouraging me about seeing these costume changes for Shooty is the more that we hear RTD talk about, you know, an MCU-style Doctor Who, the more uh, we're actually getting indications that he is not a superhero. He does not wear the same costume all the time. This is someone who's very different from an MCU character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of Tommy Nutter-style kind of 60s suit with a mild afro as well which which also (laughs) implies the doctor can not only change his costume when he feels like it which is great because i often Mm -hmm. change my costume when i feel like it what i can't do is grow my hair to order um so that's awesome i mean if you can kind of you are not a time lord i'm not a time lord if i if you can (laughs) duck into some kind of hair growing booth that suddenly arrived in the tardis like now i've got an afro I, I'd be all in favor of that. And I think it's sort of <laughs> um, the other costume that was revealed was a kind of Bridgerton style Regency costume. So, again, yeah, this... along with Jonathan Groff. Right. Right. So a new a new actor. Yeah. Potentially a pseudo companion, too, or maybe even a full blown companion. Maybe a full blown new companion, which which would be entirely acceptable as well. Again, I think what's 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 cool here is that um the kind of Bridgerton thing, yeah. where, as you know, everyone knows Bridgerton, you know, it's this kind of Regency nonsense, like a Georgia Heyer novel. Certain kinds of Not My Doctor types have been fuming that, Not My Georgia Heyer types have been um, <laughs> uh, fuming that there's you know, there's black people, uh, no evil in the, in you know, they didn't have black people in, the, in Regency times. Well, they did. So Bridgerton, there's a lot of... Um, it's a reimagining. A, yeah. A lot of people yeah. of color. Yeah. Exactly. So weirdos is like, well, they didn't have people of color in rigid times. Well, A, they did. So that's wrong. And also B, it's a fiction. It's, it's totally fiction. fiction. Yeah. So people could be any color they like. 
I don't know whether that's something that RTD is leaning into, that actually the whole kind of not my doctor objection to Shooty is that what's going to happen when he goes to a place where there's racism? Um, He's black and that's going to be really blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're just not going to do that. He'll just be who he is and the colour of his skin will not be something that will be an issue. Like in Bridgerton, um, I don't know. I mean, that's one way to address the kind of skin colour issue, or if, if, even if that is an issue. But it shows a huge amount of confidence in the character. And just the swagger of both of those costumes made me actually really excited for 2025. For 2024. Yeah, the costumes are really amping it up for me for with the Shooty Gatwa Doctor. I, I'm yeah. really stoked with the look yes. that the Doctor and Ruby bring. Yeah. I think that's a good combination. What do you make of the Jonathan Groff and I think uh, Jinx Monsoon? I think those are two yeah. cast well, villain. I, I mean, Jonathan Groff seems like an ally. Jinx Monsoon is definitely uh, billed as a villain of villain. some kind. And Jinx has this amazing, fantastic costume. Like it looks like a piano, a piano, a keyboard, and notes. I, and I believe right. uh, Groff right. also can sing, and Neil Patrick Harris can sing. Do you think we're going to get that musical episode of Doctor Who? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think RTT is going to deliver on that? I think there's a musical episode coming down the pike. I mean, we've got. Um... Can Shooty sing? Uh, I don't. I mean, they all. They, they well, apart from Pierce Brosnan. I mean, they can <laughs> actors can basically sing. Um, if you've seen Mamma Mia, he's easily the best thing in it. Uh, <coughs> um, um, uh, oh, well, speaking of uh, Mamma Mia and ABBA, and yeah. referencing back to Eurovision, who won this year? Oh, uh, we were very disappointed. It was Sweden again. Oh. with someone who won it about seven years before. So I think that's cheating. Uh, we didn't like her costume. I didn't like the song. But she was the winner, so there you go. Um, it wasn't Waterloo, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't Waterloo. It was another. I, can't, I, I, um, I can I can pull up her name if you want. Um, no, that, that's all that's right. Okay. I'm just just as curious. No, I think I mean I'm not a great follower. I mean I've never seen kind of drag race no. shows, so right. I'm not a follower of kind of contemporary drag. I definitely don't have an issue with it. So I, I'd actually never heard of of, of Jinx Monsoon. Nope. So that was kind of interesting and exciting to see. Yep. Um, the costume is very draggy obviously because that's what it's yeah they do. well what, it's very camp too yeah right exactly i mean the main thing that it reminded me of which you know which is the main kind of insertion of drag into english culture or british culture she looked, she looked like a pantomime dame mm-hmm. whereas you get these very 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 extravagant cross cross-dressing costumes that um you know express a single idea so you know, whether it's going to be sort of a panto style musical episode, Mm -hmm. I think that would be, I think that would be great. So to describe to the listener, it's, it's a full length with a train of a black kind of coat, um, inside her coat and on her lapels are piano keys, the black and white piano keys. Right, right. The costume has knee-high laced Victorian-era type black boots, and this character's hair is styled with this ginger red, kind of almost uh, like a a Disney Hocus Pocus type uh, witch uh, ensemble hair. So it's very, it's very camp. It doesn't give the impression of a real, to me, you know, real world character is the wrong because nothing's real. It's it's Doctor Who. Right, right. You know, it's, it's, uh, she's it's not very a member of Unit. 
Yeah, she's not a member of UNIT or something. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't work for the government. No, it's you know, it kind of was a bit like the oh, who are the two flux evils? Can't remember their names now. Um, it was kind of reminding me of that. Mm. But this is the other point. Having engaged very slightly with with Chris Chibnall at Gallifrey One, um, he's a really nice guy, and you know, had a, a you know his own vision for the show. Certainly, you know, speaking to our friend Jess, who actually hung out with hung out with Chris, you know, he's just a he's just a, a regular stand up person. Um, he's not kind of evil or weird. However, I didn't really like his vision for Doctor Who. No. Um, and I, what I didn't like, unfortunately, is the disinclination to publicity. I don't think Chibnall has the, the similar joy in publicizing things that RTD does, and to have actually you know a coherent publicity strategy for 2024 and 2023 and having trailers and having costume leaks and having you know, little codes and and things that tip you off about what's going on i love that stuff and it makes me excited about the show and one of the things that didn't make me excited about the chibnall era is there was no publicity we didn't get that kind of stuff right and when we did get it it was pretty standard you know it was, here's a trailer mm-hmm. you know there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't twitter there wasn't Instagram. There wasn't, you know. So there wasn't even really much in DWM either. I mean, there just it was no, just nothing. There was nothing, and so and uh, you know, this is a show that the ambition is always is, is a popular culture show. You know, it is it's it should be the most popular show on TV. Um, it has to engage with social media. There there have to be leaks. There have to be costume reveals on Instagram. You've got to do that stuff and. RTD really, really likes all that. Just yeah. as a really minor point, but it made me excited, is that I can't... So RTD, I'm, obviously I follow RTD on um, on on Instagram, and he was had an excited post about Shooty Gadwa's 60s costume, and I commented underneath, um, you know, it's the Tommy Nutter doctor. Tommy Nutter was a, was a suit designer in the 1960s in Savile Row, and RTD liked my comment. Hmm. Um, so, you know, and there were hundreds of comments underneath that, that post, right. um, which means he, you know, I, I very much doubt, he, you know, he knows who I am as like, oh, there's Ben. He's cool. I'll, I'll, but, you know, he, he, he's read all those comments mm-hmm. or at least, you know, he's read far down as my comment, which is, you know, the 300th or something, which means, you know, he's, he's really engaging with this and he has, he has the column in. Doctor Who Monthly, you know, with you know, with a little illustration by Martin Garrity, and they, he does that column every month, and it it's kind of the same column, you know, it's like enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's giving us stuff, and I kind of missed that, I missed that with Chibnall, I kind of missed it with Moffat because you know Moffat's kind of a complete introvert, um, and doesn't like any kind of stuff that puts him in the front of things, and RTD is very different, and I I missed that, and this is this is what's making me excited for next year. Also, I think he's also engaging with the broader BBC hype machine. So, like Blue Peter has had a fan art contest right. just just right. recently, and he's he's RTD's trying to re-engage with the kids. I mean, the Blue Peter contest was ages five to fifteen for UK kids, and it's sort of like this is exactly kind of the target audience that you need for Doctor Who if you're going to propel it into the next 10, 15 years. You need new fans as much as I like my fellow 50-year-olds. We're not going to be propelling the show on for another 
100 years, you know, or another 50 years even, we'll be lucky. You need that constant influx of new people coming on board. And I like how RTD seems to be engaging with Gen Z, uh, with the following generation. And I think he is better in tune to what the show needs at this point in time. And I really hope... I really hope that the mistakes of his past, he doesn't repeat them. I, I'm, I'm really optimistic. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, my kids who are firmly Gen Z are really excited to watch Doctor Who again. They were not excited by the Jodie Whittaker era at all. I, In some ways, I think they felt it was pandering. Hmm. And I think there's a lot of kind of gesturing, I think, with the with the Chibnall era. Um, but here's a, here's a female Doctor. Okay, we've done our work. Well, actually, no, that's not the full work. And I think there's a more subtle engagement with what young people are interested in at the moment with uh, that I'm seeing coming coming through from RTD. Mm-hmm. And certainly those costumes, I mean, certainly my elder child is passionately interested in costume. They are excited to come around to our house and watch Doctor Who. Um, I don't know how we're going to do it because it will be on Disney+. Plus, But I'm sure we'll find a way. Mm-hmm. This is starting to look like a success again, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. RTD. Love him. Well, any any other, any other who news? news on the 2020? They're all coming out in November, so we're going to have just like a blitz of Doctor Who. Uh, sadly, nothing on the horizon like in 2013 with the Web of Fear and Enemy of the World. No, I think we're... I, I, I don't know. I don't know how closely you follow missing episode stuff. I mean, I've sort of... Fairly close, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't because it's kind of like, uh, yeah, whenever, I guess when they find it, there'll be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I I can't, I haven't seen any indication. There's of nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing. there's that guy in Australia with a giant pile of tapes, but, you know, maybe. Maybe the take, space pirates, if we're it's lucky. It's going to take a while. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're done at this point. Yep. Uh, uh, just, just a kind of me news. I'm attending the Lawless Comic Convention next weekend in Bristol and Dave Gibbons is going to be there so yeah. I'm hoping to to talk to him a little bit about um, his work on Doctor Who years ago because and see whether he wants to because I, I, one hears that the artist and authors of the Star Beast uh, were on set mm-hmm. so I'm going to see whether Dirty Dave Gibbons can um, maybe drop some drop some subtle spoilers I'm going to ask him some questions just subtly, subtly try to yeah. get him to spill the beans. Spill some, spill some beans, Dave. Do you think he was consulted for uh, the art? Sort of. You know, I would the... be surprised if he wasn't. Okay. He's worked on movies. Actually, the kind of completely crap Watchmen movie. He worked a lot on that mm. um, in terms of character design and character updates. So, you know, he's, he's not a full-blown storyboard artist, etc., like Mike Collins. Mm-hmm. You know, who's you know one of the doyens of the Doctor Who strip, but he knows that business, and we also know that RTD is a fan of comics and a fan of the fan of the strip in in Doctor Who weekly slash monthly. Um, so I'd be surprised if he hadn't been consulted. I mean, he he's not a difficult person to work with. The thing about Dave Gibbons is he's is he's very 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 normal. Mm-hmm. He trained as an engineer, and his art is like that as well. He's, there's nothing extraordinary. Um, in his character or in the way he draws, which is what makes him, you know, a, a very reliable comic book artist. So, yeah, I'm going to ask my question strategy is to ask him, were you consulted? Did you go on set? What did you see? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, there's a there's a big Q&A with him at the, at, the, at the con. And it's quite a small convention. So maybe I'll even get some FaceTime with him. I don't know. You're going to get anything signed? Bring some of the... Uh... 
early 1980s DWW. Yeah, I, I unfortunately getting stuff signed means me hauling stuff over the Atlantic and then hauling it back again. But I have a lot of stuff in a storage unit, so um, I'm before the before next weekend, I'm going to nip down to my storage unit and maybe dig up issue one of DWM, which I know I've got somewhere. Um, we'll do- Doctor Who Weekly and yeah. get him to sign that. That would be kind of awesome. That would be sweet because John Wagner's going to be there as well. No. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to get John Wagner to sign issue one because he didn't write issue one. Right. But when we when we get into the into the um, the ones that he wrote, I'd, I'd I'd like to get that that signed by by John too. Well, you have all that in storage, too. Pretty much so. Yeah, I have all Dot Who magazines. So, yeah. So that's going to be exciting. I mean, I've, I've never met... I've met Dave Gibbons before, but I've never met John Wagner. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Very good. Yeah. Right. What's next on the podcast, kids? Well, speaking of Doctor Who <laughs> monthly <laughs> magazine... Oh, and... I could, Speaking of Doctor Who, which is what the podcast yeah, is... Yeah. They've been doing a different form of rankings. Uh, last time they did it was 2014, I think, was the last time they did it. They ranked all the stories together. But this year, I think, uh, perhaps in deference to uh, Colin Baker and maybe Chris Chibnall, they're not pitting all the Doctor's stories against one another. They're just ranking them by Doctor. So every, Good idea. Um, every month... Two Doctors. I'm not sure if just all the 80s and maybe Paul McGann is up. I think, yeah, I think the current one is all the 80s and, 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 yeah. and Paul McGann. Yeah, anyway, carry on. And, and so people can uh, rank them 1 to 10. And uh, then the, the following month, Doctor Who Monthly uh, is uh, doing a little write-up. And I thought we'd uh, just talk about at least uh, William Hartnell stories, Bill Hartnell stories, and see if there's any surprises in in the rankings. Uh, first off, did you vote? Oh, in these? yes. Of course I voted. Yeah. I mean, the, okay. though I, I mean, did, did, did you vote? No, I, I did not vote. And, and why not? Why are you not a voter? Uh, because I was disappointed that it wasn't all the stories at once oh interesting okay i was teetering on the will i or won't i and i just decided nope not going to do it okay my difficulty actually and when and this is this is going to come out in the conversation because it's it's mainly the comment that i have is that going through the rankings i realized that maybe something to do with this podcast Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I think, the last time there was a ranking done, I think it was 2014, yep. looking at the rankings here, which is predates the Metabilis 2 podcast. Um, you know, this podcast has really kind of enthused me to kind of re-engage a lot more deeply with the show. And, you know, going to Gallifrey One has kind of enthused me with engaging more with being a fan of the show. And one of the things that I sort of realized is that I like them all. Yeah. And that I think probably my scores didn't help that much because it was mainly tens. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good story. This yeah. is a good story. Yeah, this yeah. is a good story. And so when I look at these rankings, and I think one of the interesting things is they do where each story was placed in previous rankings. So we have mm-hmm. 1998, 2009, 2014. So now 20 years plus of rankings. Yeah, about 25 years. About yeah. 25 years. My main sort of takeaway to myself is that um, yeah, I like I, I like them all, um, mm-hmm. and you know when and I'm disappointed, I, I'm cross when I see you know the Web Planet as the least favorite, of, yeah. of the Hartnell era, and I'm also cross when I see the Sensorites and the Space Museum at the bottom there as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that those are three stories that we have extant too. We can watch them all in uh, their entirety. Smart comment. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if we had, you know, um, one that's slightly further up in total, one of the um, constant drumbeats of missing episodes is Where's Marco Polo? Right. And it's going to be amazing. Um, you know, maybe it won't be that good. And the fact that Marco Polo, I'm looking at... It's consistently twice. number seven overall, twice the William more. Hartnell era. Oh, yes, yes. For the past 25 years, it's locked in at the seventh position. You know, and the Massacre of St. Bartholomew's... The Massacre. Uh, Bartholomew's <laughs> Eve is up there. Yeah. That's a good comment. You know, is the ones that we don't see, we imagine are amazing. Right. The ones that we can see, we're like, well, yeah, this is chunky old Doctor Who. We don't like it. Um, Web Planet is so ambitious and so crazy and so just off the wall. Why did they even try and do that? Mm -hmm. Is that you have to rank it high. The Space Museum, I'm currently making a model um, with my with my um, uh, Dalek modifying hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Such a stato. Um, I'm doing a, a Space Museum Dalek, which has a little Hartnell peeking out the top. Oh, super. Um, and I spent a lot of time kind of engineering that and kind of make, I'm hoping to have a, a Dalek top that will actually work. So it'll fold down on top of the Hartnell head. Mm -hmm. So I've been watching a lot of space. Well, I've been watching a lot of episode one of the Space <laughs> Museum um, to get that right. And the sensorites. I mean, who doesn't like the sensorites? They're like, they've got weird shoes and <laughs> funny, hairy faces. Mm -hmm. It's Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, I was surprised that Web Planet came at the bottom. There are worse. I would put Planet of Giants or Space Museum nearer the bottom yeah. than that, to be honest. I yeah. definitely think Web Planet should be higher just for the ambition and just how different it is, too. Exactly. At the top of the ranking, we have uh, Dalek Invasion yes. of Earth, which isn't a surprise. I think that has a lot of punch. Um, having it set in the first part in London definitely still resonates, I think, today. Yeah. So the big Dalek stories, Dalek Invasion is first, uh, Master Plan is third, and then the original Daleks is fifth place. So it isn't until the chase do you start slipping into the middle range, and the chase is uh, 14th, which is up significantly since 1998. And I can't help but think the London 1965 uh, meme. meme elevated it, helped give it a boost a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go back to your previous point. You're having Dalek's master plan at number three. There's a lot of that that's missing. I mean, it sounds awesome, mm -hmm. and it undoubtedly it will be would be amazing if it was ever fully found in its entirety. Mm -hmm. But it is strange to see a show that basically no one no one's seen since 1964 is ranked so high. Yeah. The other thing that I found really surprising is Mission to the Unknown is right smack in the middle at 16. And this is a Doctor Who episode that doesn't have any of the Doctor Who cast in, effectively. And it's by a scheduling quirk that it's even a standalone episode. In, like the audio uh, soundtrack releases, it's, it's uh, rolled into uh, DMP. So uh, to me, it's sort of like, well, if you're going to have to rank them, why would you put the one without the doctor in the middle. I mean, right. <laughs> I would put yeah. that one at, at the lowest. Yeah, okay, it's a great standalone Terry Nation story, but it's not Doctor Who at, yeah. from my perspective. It's the Daleks, which is, I mean, great. There's Dalek stories. But these rankings, I think, going back to your overview observation, is at this point, we kind of like them all. They're all good. And so it's really hard to say which one is better than not. 
And I think one of the things about being a consistent fan, which I've discovered I am, is the stories that struggle are often more interesting than the stories that don't. And by interesting, I mean you have to try more mm. to like them. You know, it's very, very easy to like The Dalek Invasion of Earth because it's mm -hmm. extremely good. I've watched it quite a lot of times. I've not watched, um, well, I actually watched the web, web Planet quite a lot of times, but I've not watched the Space Museum a lot before I started this model project. And, you know, it's a hard one to like. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to try, um, which means you end up sort of liking it more because you're sort of, hmm. I find myself to be more engaged because I'm trying to find what's good in it. And as I think we've always said, the one consistency about Doctor Who is the Doctor is always amazing, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's always a really well acted character. Mm -hmm. And just to have you know, just to see Hartnell do things, whatever he's doing, I'm going to like it. So I mean, that's sort of where I am with with the rankings in that way. Yeah, well, if the Space Museum, this is a great story for Marine O'Brien. Yes, exactly. She really nails it as yeah. Vicky. Yeah, just her joy of being a accidental revolutionary, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I think is it's a lot of fun, and she helps drive that revolution. She helps drive that plot along. To be fair, for ranking, I am involved on Gallifrey Base with Ooh. the annual Top Three tournament. Ooh, okay, I, I don't know that. You get a half dozen stories, uh, okay. and it's every Doctor Who story pitted against itself. Um, it runs for about six months until. Doctor Who Day on November 23rd, where the winner is crowned. So you have heats of six stories each. You choose your top three ranking, and the winner of that match moves on to the next round, and it continues on until you have a final the week before uh, November 23rd. You vote on that, and uh, whatever that one is, uh, is crowned the winner. And it's been going on for over 20 years wow. on Outpost Gallifrey and now Gallifrey Base. And so it is a different form of ranking. But what I realize, I'm more interested in not having the same story win every year. I want to see a different story win. Or I want to see some of like the more underdogs do better. So I would like to see the Dominators, to pick a Troughton story, go farther than, say, the Web of Fear. I mean, it won't happen because this is a, a bit of a popularity contest, but how far can it go this year? How far can the power of Kroll get? How far can right. Fear Her make it? Fear Her has never made it out of round one. I think RTD said a while back he doesn't really like criticizing any story because it, he doesn't know if that's the story that got you in the fandom. That might have been right, some right. kids' very first introduction of Doctor Who got them hooked. Maybe they really like the Isolus. You know, there's something that in every story that changes them from a viewer to a fan, and it might be Underworld. It might be Time Flight. It might be one of those stories that doesn't rank highly, but it yet is still really special. For my eldest child, who's basically a full-time weirdo, Fear Her, <laughs> Fear Her was, was the episode wow. that, that she always wanted to watch as a kid and really kind of cemented her interest in Doctor Who and a whole bunch of other things. Mm -hmm. um, and we had to play Fear Her like over and over again because she liked to watch things over and over again because she's that kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, you can't... I mean, what's interesting me now thinking about this is, is that I, you know, I'm obviously critical of the Chibnall era and there's bits of Moffat that I don't like. Am I, you know, in my dotage 
am I going to be watching Fear Her over and over again because it's not one that I like that much because I've just said it's the ones that people don't like that much that I, I like the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe that will happen to me. I don't know. The thing that the ones ones that aren't our favorites are the ones that are going to be the freshest when we go back to view them. Uh, going back... Fresh is important, Going yes. back and watching The Seeds of Doom again... It's a great story. I love watching it, but I know it very well. Right. And right. so yeah. uh, if I if just going in the Tom Baker era, I'm more likely to see something new from the creature from the pit or Invasion of Time than I am from some of the early yeah. uh, uh, Hinchcliffe Home era stories. Yeah. No, I think that's a smart comment. Freshness is something that is important mm-hmm. and is kind of, um, you know, Going back to watch a story you've not seen that much helps you to look at it with new eyes. And I think it's probably good advice to any burgeoning fan, like, you know, retire your favorite stories. You know, don't watch them for a couple of years or something or a couple of months or a couple of weeks, depending how crazy you are. And, you know, come (laughs) back, come back at them and look at them differently. You know, so Mm -hmm. you'll be different and, uh, you know, you'll have a different perspective on the stories. You will have grown. You will have grown as a person. And we're Mm -hmm. very proud of you. Yeah. There's something very comforting with your favorite story. But then it's also there's a lot of good who out there. It's a lot of good who. I mean, there's, you know, I think, again, we've made I've certainly made this comment before on the podcast. You know, we've reached the point where it's impossible to experience all the who that is available. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know... Big finish novels, et cetera. Big finish novels. um, I mean, I think Lance Parkin finally throwing in the towel on the who, you know, the, 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 I can't remember what his series of books is called now, the who chronicle thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's just not possible. You can't, you can't read all this stuff. You can't listen to all this stuff. You can't watch all this stuff. Um, So that's actually kind of good because it means we can now, you know, focus on the things that, that we like, which is good, but also there are always, there will always be a little corner that you haven't looked at before. Mm-hmm. There will always be new who to experience if new who to experience is what you want, which is nice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So any other observations on the 2023 listing? Uh, any of the big movers or shakers? No, I think that those are my observations. I mean, I think the youngsters are excited about Doctor Who again. And mm-hmm. my youngsters, I mean, you know, maybe they pick up on my not excitement. But my youngsters were not excited for the Chibnall era and they didn't really watch it. Mm -hmm. And I tried to encourage them, like, the Doctor's woman, you're women, that must mean you like it. (laughs) That didn't really fly with them because they're smarter than that. I think, as I said before, what RTD doing is a more subtle engagement with Gen Z's interests Mm -hmm. than the Chibnall era was. And I think that subtlety is something that certainly my lot appreciate. And evening spending time, you know, being in Britain for like three weeks or so, I've seen my niece and nephew a little bit and they're also excited and my nephew finn as regular listeners to this will know you know was a was a huge doctor who fan yeah it's informed a lot of he's just off to art school and um he starts at um kingston in september oh excellent yeah so but i mean a lot of what he's interested in is informed by his love of doctor who he has a great interest in costume and the shooty costume changes, I think, have engaged him again. So, you know, mm-hmm. it'll be hard for him to watch the show while he's, you know, working hard being an art student. But, you know, right. he's so, yeah, this is all this is all working, I think. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, famous last words. There's, there will be some disappointments, but I'm I, I am excited. Well, good. Let's leave it there. OK, well, good speaking to you again. Uh, e- excellent. And um, well, with the, there'll be there'll be more Metabilis 2 um, frivolity and excitement. 
the rest of this year, well, there's more who. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. we'll have more things to talk about. Yeah, I think next time maybe we'll just uh, look at the rest of the 60s, Troughton, go through Tom Baker, you know, Pertwee. The rest and, of those rankings. And just chit-chat on the, on the rankings and whatever else the yeah. RTD is uh, yeah. There will be, there will be some revealing. new stuff that will oh, yes. it out. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Super. Good. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 225 of the Metabuse 2 podcast. I have been catching up with Ben. And I've been catching up with Davies. And until next time, talk to you then. Goodbye. Well, you took me in. You stole my heart. I cannot roam no more. Because love, it stays within you. It doesn't wash up on the shore. Then I'm fighting Each knock, each bruise, each pull But a fighting man